Hello and welcome to Cracked Open, a podcast guiding you on your journey to becoming a vessel of unconditional love. This is your host, Beck Mylonis, High Priestess, Channel, and Activator. Join me on this series as I share reflections, insights, and channel transmissions from my journey of walking the initiation path. Each episode is a unique transmission containing supportive frequencies to facilitate the deepest healing, activation, and reconnection with your soul. I invite you to open your mind and set the intention to receive this episode into your heart space. Let's go. Welcome back, beautiful souls, to another episode of Cracked Open, a podcast about becoming a vessel of unconditional love. It is my honor to bring with bring bring with you, bring <laughs> God the energies today. Bring on this guest that I have with me today. I have Ash Parkhouse with me. He is a beautiful, divine masculine. Um, men's work coach and somatic body worker. I have had the pleasure of working personally with Ash when I was in Bali. So we met in Bali when he was working out of Nirvana Strength. And wow, like so painful, but so epic. Like the sessions that we were having were huge releases for me. So this is a man who really walks his talk. He brings such power and devotion to his work. He's a dad now, which is like fucking perfect because he's just, I can't even imagine how amazing of a dad he would be. So to introduce him formally, Ash is a somatic body worker and men's coach that blends inner work and physical empowerment to lead men back to who they truly are beyond layers of conditioning and masks. So this is going to be a really great transmission for my main audience because I think Ash is just such a beautiful example of just all the things that I talk about. So Ash, welcome to the show. And if you would like, I would love for you to just introduce yourself to my audience. Tell us all about how you got to be this beautiful divine masculine doing the work that you do. Um, anything that you feel would serve my audience about your journey. The mic is yours. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. What a beautiful introduction. We're very honored to be here. Well, where to start? Um, I think the best place for me to start is how a version of me, maybe even just, oh God, maybe even over, only five years ago, but definitely 10 years ago or further back than that, would have never even begun to consider who I could become. And I'm sure a lot of people really resonate with that in so many, many ways. But my background is as a very atheist belief system person, um, somebody who battled intensely with suicidal thoughts and tendencies for the majority of his life, somebody that never wanted to have children, had a huge, I would say, fear of men. And to then sort of come full circle, I now personally mentor men, take them through rites of passage and initiation. I have a son, I'm married. Like, you know, I, I, I completely obliterated the concept of, of suicide from my existence. And I had a pretty savage unatheisting. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 been unatheisting. Un yeah. You have to just what does that mean? Is it? <laughs> I love it. I don't know what it means, but I, I can imagine what it means. But what are that? What are that? A savage? How was it savage? It all just hit you in the face, and it was like I'm seeing God, <laughs> and now it's like, oh fuck, here we are. Yeah. <clears throat> don't die. Choked to my water. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> yeah, hit the nail on the head. Um, so. Like I said, I remember the vast majority of my of my life coming from a very uh, lost, confused, wounded, suicidal place. There was always something in me missing that I couldn't find what it was, and the thing that occupied that space instead was was this 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 suicidal thing. This urge, desire, romanticization, this sort of this craving of death. What I didn't know is that was an ego death that the deepest desire was for. I had no idea that that was the case until I aggressively went through a series of them. But yeah, so I, I had a huge part of my life 
up until the point where I was, I was 30 years old already. And I was leaning into sort of some agnosticisms in the sense that there were things outside of my control, outside of my power, things I'd witnessed or experienced that were not, that didn't align with my rational belief systems. But I still held on deeply to the label of atheist. And then I had a summer in Bali that my partner and myself were, we brought a third person into our relationship. It inevitably ended with a bit of heartbreak. I went away to go and deal with that heartbreak. And seemingly out of nowhere, me and my partner decided that after that we'd process some of this grief, that a good idea would be to integrate some, okay, I'm using language that I would use now. Right then we thought, let's do some mushrooms <laughs> and like just have an experience of doing some mushrooms together. So we had a mushroom journey. It was immediate confrontation of ego and shadow. It was profound. It was beautiful. It was intense. And it showed us that there was something much deeper in the layers of us that needed to be really be unearthed. And that just sort of sent us on a snowball. We we spent the next six months doing incredibly deep uh, introspective work, shadow work, inner child healing, journeying, deep integration work, and all of this pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling at layers of ourselves until eventually things started to get a little bit weird, a little bit edgy, right? Uh, both as non-religious people, we started to have some experiences where uh, certain energies or deities were revealing themselves to us. And even along this kind of this scale, the first one that happened was I didn't want children. My partner didn't want children. We'd had the agreement that we weren't going to. Six months into doing all of this work, about six or eight hours after a medicine journey that had no real impact on me, I suddenly start like going full into this other reality. And I start seeing this vision of like five years in my future. And it's me and it's Mariana. And we have this, we have a, a business and some business partners. And then I see us and we have three children. And I feel immense love for these children. And in that moment, I'm freaking out. I grab my wife's hand, my girlfriend at the time, but I grab her hand. As I grab her hand, she sees everything I'm seeing. And we have this like, what the like experience. That sets a few things in motion and then things start creeping in. Another couple months down the line, we've kind of integrated that piece but I find myself just adding layers to the things I believe in, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay, so I, before this, I didn't believe in anything. And then I was like, okay, I'm slight, I'm open to some concepts. There's definitely other things, maybe spirit, maybe this. I'm still prefer the term universe to God. And I'm experiencing all these things. And then Mother Mary energy comes in and like, I immediately heal some inner child stuff. And then Magdalene comes through really aggressively with my wife in particular like fierce Magdalene energy there. Beautiful. Um, and then we're having all these experiences and I'm adding things to the list of things I believe in, right? I still don't believe in God, but okay, fine. Mother Mary, I'll accept that. That's fine. That, I, that experience happened. I believe in that. Like beings from another planet that can show me my future or whatever. Okay, yeah, fine. I, I'll, let, I'll let that in. And then we had a friend come into our life who challenged what we were experiencing and on paper what she said was so simple and so innocent and she just asked we were having dinner together and she said do you believe that everything you're experiencing is is true is like really happening or do you think some of it's like your your mind making stuff up in that moment, like my wife immediately answered, there's no way I could make this up. Absolutely all of it. And I lent in with the, mm, well, there's a part of me that still thinks that. Needless to say, I think the next, the weekend after that was a full moon. We did a journey. And 
this went textbook, all my biggest outrageous journeys always go the same way. I take a medicine, it decides, no, no, not tonight. And it doesn't <laughs> work for me. That happens to me all fucking time. Yeah. And you're like, come on. I, th I thought I was going to go in and yeah. do some, connect with Ashley, go in mm -hmm. and do some inner child work, yeah. like have a look, peek behind the curtain at some shadows. The medicine's like, no, no. Okay. Nothing, nothing for you right now. I'm like, oh, okay. A few hours pass enough for me to realize, to acknowledge that I'm no longer under the influence of the medicine. And we'd been having some night terrors um, at the time. And somebody in passing that my wife had spoken to said, you should call on Archangel Michael, like, because he helps like clear bad spirits, help things pass. Mm -hmm. And at the time, again, we'd experienced a few things to be like, ah, let's try it. And in that moment, my wife was like, oh, do you, we're about to go to bed, but do you remember, like, we we didn't do the Archangel Michael thing. What have we got to do? Just say his name three times. Okay. So there we are in the living room. She says, Archangel Michael. She says, Archangel Michael. She says it a third time. And it to me, somebody has just shone like the bluest light ever into my eyes. Mm. And then I'm immediately collapsed in a pile sobbing because he's present in my garden, like occupying the entire space of it. And not in the like nice angelic here's a person with some wings form like in the be not afraid absolutely abstract he's made of feathers and nature and armor and there's an eye on everything and the eyes have teeth and it's okay cool so now i'm really out of my depths of what i'm experiencing and in that moment my brain went fine we can add archangels to the list of things we believe in but still no god <laughs> uh and that was a deciding moment for me because that was, I would say that that was a moment that I kind of challenged the concept of God. And then in that moment was when I experienced what I would describe as my death. So full ego death, that's it. Nothing exists. And in that moment of death, being able to tap into that experience of unconditional infinite source love and just be like everything is love was mind-blowing soul-blowing whatever it, it 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 was enough to shake me the irony of that situation was that that shattered me it absolutely fractured me um having so much like ego destruction in like a single moment absolutely tore me apart. And it actually was both the closest me and my partner have ever been to breaking up and the closest I've ever been to suicide because I brought in this whole new philosophy of if that's what's next, what am I doing here? Oh my God. Yes, exactly. Yep. And man, <laughs> like that was the most intense 48 hours of my life. Like I think this was me and my partner, literally we spent like the next 48 hours just in bed like holding each other making love healing going through it grieving crying like this like death of a part of me this death of a part of our relationship that we'd encountered this like this in being the closest i've ever been to wanting to genuinely just end everything and the outcome of that ended up becoming I must have experienced that for a reason. I must have seen these, this like uh, a life with children for a reason. And the conclusion I came to it was that then surely my life's purpose is to cultivate as much love now as what I could experience next. That's so beautiful. And, and it was just, and that was it, like that switch. And in that moment of that decision, the concept of suicide was absolutely eliminated for me absolutely eliminated mm. um and do we been... hear this yeah we hear this a lot like i see this a lot uh people who are in this vortex and this energy like on this path and this mission and i see this in myself that a lot of us have this suicidal ideation because it's a part of our soul that literally knows what that infinite love and, and the grace and everything is when you're melded into everything and so it's like comparatively being a human feels very constrictive and hard and heavy and so we're like 
that's the longing. It's like to go back home to leave. We associate it with death, but it's actually to leave our body, right? And then that challenge of like, when you do feel and you connect back to it, that was me for two years. Like I, when, once I felt the infinite bliss and love of God, I was like, why the fuck am I here? Right. But you're right. in saying that last piece is so important when you can anchor and ground, that's what we're here to do. All of that love here in our human form. Right. That's the, that's the, the spicy meatball. That's the part that we're, we're here for. Right. And you can experience that as a waking state. And I'm saying to you guys, cause I was all the things that Ash was as well. You definitely can experience that as a waking state. And I am experiencing walking around feeling fucking orgasmic 90% of the time, like so connected to everything. So it's a potential. I wanted to ask in that, you know, a lot of these things are really challenging for our human mind. Were there any points where you were like, I'm losing my fucking mind. I'm going crazy. I need oh, help. Gotcha. I need support. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Like I had, I think every time I felt ready to deal with what I was dealing with, that next step would almost derail me into that, Mm -hmm. you know, like dealing with my shadows, meeting parts of my own consciousness and having full on dialects with them, meeting parts of my inner child and feeling myself regress to five years old and having, and like parenting me, that was one thing that was fine. But like seeing like some sort of energy being or something, and then Mm -hmm. interacting with that, that was that would send me on a spiral of like am I losing my fucking mind is this shit happening and like some of the things that I do in response to that would be like out of my mind you know because you sometimes you go searching for that experience again instead of processing and integration Mm -hmm. and then I think the same thing probably happened certainly up to that point three or four times where I would have the next sort of level of profound experience and it would maybe even derail me for a bit and make me have to sit down and question like what am I doing and what am I experiencing and like am I going crazy am I losing my mind is this really happening but I think because of that it really stressed the importance of grounding and integration like you said it's like I very much believe that the place I teach from is is experientially going into the extremes and then grounding them and centering them and then being able to teach from that place. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I definitely don't suggest other people go off and fucking derail their psyche and destroy Mm -hmm. their ego and like attempt to, you know, it's like, that's that's probably not the best way, but Mm -hmm. I go into these experiential extremes to bring it back to center and then teach from that place. Mm -hmm. Um, and... Yeah, and you know what, Ash, that's the dark masculine in you, which I always, which is, I think I always saw that in you and I loved you for it. And I was like, one day he's going to, because when we were working together, you were open. You were so open to me having my wild experiences, but yeah. you were just kind of dipping your toe into this stuff. And I could see it. I could see this fucking blue hole version of you in the future. And I was like, it's coming, it's coming. And it's that dark masculine, like my dark feminine or, you know, Marianne, mm. I'm sure her dark feminine is really strong too that's the obliteration. That's like go into the deepest, darkest depth and fucking rebirth from that place. Not everyone has that desire. Not everyone does this journey that way. And I think it's not, not to typecast or stereotype or like say, if you don't do it this way, then you can't be a healer. But I think it's those of us who really signed up to serve others. We need to take ourselves to those extremes to be able to hold as much as we do. Right. So it's, if you're going through those extremes, guys, it's probably because you're here to help people through it, even if you don't know, is my message. So the question I wanted to ask to bring it kind of back down Mm. the grounding, the anchoring, do you think that, um, I mean, I think you had a level, a very high level of self-understanding and and knowledge and wisdom from the path you're already on with the bodywork stuff and the physical health stuff. So that really grounded you to have something tangible and physical. So tell me how you transitioned from that and like what the calling was. I know you were doing a lot of nutrition and sorry, that was Mariana. You were doing a lot of body physical health stuff. Yep. Um, so did you, that? yeah. How did you A, get into that and then B, move on to bringing that into the more esoteric, like the body work with the, yeah. oh, I'm noticing that like, cause I'll explain kind of what happens in a body work session or what was happening with Ash. Cause I was seeing this when it was happening, he would touch on like a certain part of my body and I would get a flash of like a past life memory or some shit, some trauma stored. And I would have the story of like what specifically it was. And as that stuff was moving, he's just, you know, doing body work, which was painful. And I don't think he was having these things that were happening because I could see this stuff. I was like, fuck me. Like we literally store this shit in the body. Like it's crazy. So yeah. Riff, riff on that for a hot second. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, yeah, honestly, I think that the reason I was so capable of integrating was because I had such such a grounded background in the in the physical and material. Because I entered into body work and uh, physical training from a super nerdy like anatomy and physiology biomechanics obsessed perspective and I just I just wanted to know how humans worked I like I, I looked at it like a puzzle I wanted to know like what muscles tendons ligaments bones joints do what and why and I just got super obsessed and it's like my my road was going through traditional sport massage therapy and strength conditioning and then studying studying under chiropractors osteopaths um physiotherapists, dry needling, whatever, taking all of these different specializations, piecing them together into what I thought had the most value and then challenging like what works across all of these, what doesn't. And just, I think staying very open-minded throughout. And then I think it was that a lot of these types of things were happening way before I was really open to them that I just could not deny, you know? Um, even years before I came out into Bali, I knew myself as a physical body worker, right? So I knew I was working on the body. I know I was releasing tension and stress and things like that, but I couldn't deny that I would see the same patterns of physical restriction repeating in people with similar histories of traumas, similar patterns of emotional holding. And I just had to start to explore this stuff. And yeah, I think that's where it where it started to go is like the first bridge was one, I was seeing these patterns of emotions repeating in people. You know, I had two like housewives who every time they had an argument with their daughter would come in with pain in the same place. Hmm. And I was like, that's weird, but it's cool. So I started to dive down a little bit more and like my acceptance of um, the divine or anything else, it, I just added it to the list of things I'm okay with believing in. Right. Oh, okay. So also we can store specific emotion or tension or trauma in the body. I'm okay with that. Um, and I would work with that. And then eventually that just continued to evolve. We'd start to see more like really big patterns of, uh, you know, little T trauma, big T trauma, generational trauma or, or spiritual trauma, collective trauma. And you just see these things start to manifest more and more and realize that when you're going into the body, you give the, from a nervous system perspective, you give the nervous system safety. So in giving the nervous system safety and regulation, it allows it to go in and clear patterns and incomplete patterns of trauma and stress responses. So from a biological, physiological level, that's what it does. Like when we're doing good body work held in a safe container, as you create more safety and space in the body, it can clear stuff because we do store trauma. We do store emotion or anything that feels incomplete that gets held and we've got to hold it somewhere so as we free it up in the body those patterns tend to free especially if we have a safe container and then it just kind of kept evolving and then i realized that can i bring these same things into training if i train someone in a certain way and make them lean into certain discomforts or open certain areas of their body can we get an emotional response from that and i realized yeah we can and then i think the lines just started to blur between emotional like between what i was doing being physical to being emotional to being about the kind of the identity and stories of a person and then when i started to go through my personal journeys of shadow work inner child healing and all of this it just felt like there's no way I can keep this to myself when I'm somebody that is actively healing people. Like I got to up my game on that as well. And it just became this continual pursuit of being able to bridge my experiences and like my learned skills and, and like make that gap smaller and smaller so that I can just in real time be imparting what I'm learning. And somewhere along the lines that got me into the type of body work that I do now which is much more it's it's that blend of that spiritual emotional and physical in the body 
And then with the men's work, that was a slightly different path. The men's work was a slightly different one. And I'll go into it really quick is along this journey, my partner realized that she had a certain pattern of repeated burnouts. I decided to step up and say, I'll be sole provider. You go, you focus on healing and witnessing her in her healing journey, doing more embodiment work and more feminine work made me go, holy shit, if I don't step even harder into my masculine, she's, she's going to be way out there and I will not be wow. a, a pet. So I dove head first into like masculinity work and embodiment work for the, for the divine masculine, the dark masculine, especially because that's where I'm happy, but also the light masculine. Oh, we know you are. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then when I was doing that work, it was just another version of the, I need to be fucking doing this. Mm-hmm. And I got it as a transmission. Like I went through a men's initiation experience, like a transition from like boyhood to manhood. And in that experience, I received that as like a really aggressive transmission of like, stop fucking around, stop playing small, show up, do this work. We need you to do this work. We need more men to do this work. What are you playing at? And like, I got that transmission. I came home from that experience. I opened my first men's container. It was just like, okay. It's like, it's not my work. It's the work. I I surrender to that. Like, I'm in. Okay, I think this is where we're going to go with this. It's, do you know Ross? You know Ross? I do. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I, First guy I, I ever had on this like podcast, and he said the same so. thing: that transition to manhood, like exactly that, that initiation. So talk to me about that. And yeah, no, you were you were speaking, and I was like, I bet he's friends with Ross. Yeah, fucking, I love you, Ross. I, <laughs> I love Ross. I trained Ross. Like yeah. he did some work for me. It was like we did some did some PT. It was great. I was like a mini me of him because I'm five <laughs> foot four. He's a giant. Um, yeah. So talk to me about, hmm, let me just feel for a second. Mm. Something actually I felt to ask you just for some specific examples. We are definitely going to launch into this masculine mm. awakening because it's so fucking important. We need more of you out here. So we're going to get into some practical, tangible stuff to implement. A question I was having is, are there a few examples of like parts of the body? I really want to empower my audience to like, oh, okay, I have a cool. hip, a hip issue, a knee issue, like a a shoulder issue, like if there are certain ones that are just coming, whatever intuitively you feel to speak on um, and what mm. they might mean or what might help them to release. I think that'd be really helpful for the audience. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I can really impart on people is if you haven't had like impact or injury specific to a part of your body, yeah. then it always starts at the center. It always starts at the pelvis. For, for women especially like movement and fluidity in the pelvis is so outrageously important like if you only did one thing and it was like move your hips like that that would get you through a lot of stuff I'm gonna interrupt for a second because yeah. it's like seriously fuck me like since in the past six months all I have been wanting to do is like shake and twerk and move my hips and honestly it's like non-stop constantly all the time and I'm like oh my god this is my life force like this is what I've always been meaning to do but because I've been so repressed and like so I second that women I second that you got to get in the gym and twerk and shake your butt and you don't have to do anything but or do it in the (laughs) privacy of your own home I've been doing that I've been going into my gym here in Mexico and just full-on floor dancing like grinding and it feels so good and I'm like yeah freedom so yes thank you I, I second that for the women yeah absolutely oh and also to the men like men need okay. to move their hips more as well like you, you a man doesn't want to be rigid in the hips like if you've only got like forward back that's we're not, we're not <laughs> working much there yeah <laughs> True. um but yeah so like everything center starts from the from that center point from the from the pelvis even like in the in the anatomy world we call it the proximal bone like everything in the body is referenced to how close or far away from that it is. And it is that important when we get into it emotionally and energetically as well. So I think I've heard the, the psoas, the deep hip flexor muscles be referred to as the, the emotional muscle before. And it's so goddamn true. Like it's on your spine. It's, it shares like tissue with your diaphragm. So it's involved in your breathing. It goes through your pelvis, which means it's in all of your pelvic floor. So sexual shame, guilt, trauma, all of that's there too. And it goes all the way onto the leg. 
it's it's outrageous so that centerpiece of the body is where it will all start if you only focused on one area you focus on that the further away from that you get the longer you've been looping a compensation pattern that is got exhausted reached out got exhausted reached out got exhausted reached out the amount of times that i see resolution in people's problems in shoulders elbows knees wrists hips neck whatever by going into the pelvis working deep in there with the pelvic floor, with the deep hip flexor muscles and up under the ribs, mm -hmm. like it releases an outrageous amount. That's, that's what we were doing for me. And that's what I've been doing yeah. in my own body work sessions with myself lately. I'm actually like, literally my hand is on my hip, like working on it right now. Cause I've been doing body work on myself and that's where I've been called to go. So I love that. And it's so fucking true when I work on my pelvis and even that spot that you used to touch that I fucking hated the, uh, under the rib that sucks. It's true. Like it's a, it's very accurate and true. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. So start in the pelvis and like for people to release themselves from that place, what would you suggest? Like massage, like touch, like how, how can they start to yeah. do that? I like massage and touch. I think if you, if you're quite an aware person, I love doing it intuitively, just like mm -hmm. going in and, and seeing what you can meet. For me, I like the body to meet me back. So mm -hmm. I'm going to start to apply pressure into a piece of like into my hip, into, into a part of me, I'm going to apply pressure until my body presses back. And then I know like we've met. Okay. So I can stay here until something changes. I, maybe I want to do movement or friction. Maybe I just want to take really big breaths while I'm there, but you just stay with it until it changes because what you're trying to do is impart the information that we're safe. If you let go, like yeah. that's, ultimately what we're trying to do you're safe if you let go so i'll meet you here and sometimes yeah pain is going to meet you back tension pressure like noise head noise whatever movement and it's like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stay here i'm just gonna ride this out until you go and then oh awesome okay we got somewhere yeah and i remember that moment in every single bodywork session ever of the like pushing, the pushing, the oh my god, oh my god, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then when you let go, you think it's going to be painful, but actually it's fucking orgasmic, guys. So there we go. It's a thing as well. Like when you just let go. And it's interesting too. I'm feeling into like the hips, what I've heard about the metaphysical. I think it's um, what's her name? She did the Louise Hay. I think it's Louise Hay. She has all the different places in the different body and what they mean. Hips is like literally not being able to let go of something, like holding on, not surrendering, like trying to take the control. So it makes sense that so many of us carry that. And then it also makes so much sense that when a woman particularly is embodied in a lot of her feminine her hips naturally want to move and flow and like be open and receive. So I love that. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted and so much more. Okay. Moving into men's work now, okay. it's completely changing the trajectory because we've got some it. time. Um, yeah. How, how did that initiation happen for you into the, into the, the call? Like, and what, what did that initiation look like for you? That pivotal point? Mm. So I mean, I did what I think a lot of people need to do, which is I essentially, I found a mentor, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So um, yeah, shout out to Embodied Masculine, like my mentor, Amir. So when, basically I, when I encountered Mariana's expression of the feminine and I went, oh fuck, that's <laughs> challenging to me if I don't like also rise with this. I started looking for, ways that I could get in touch with my my masculine and embody it further the first thing I found was a book called King Warrior Magician Lover oh. I read it cover to cover everybody says it's a really hard read it landed with me for some reason then I was like does anyone teach this in a practical sense and I think I literally just googled the words like embodied masculine and that's the name of his company so I went in he offers something called the MIIR, the Men's Initiation, Men's Intensive Initiation Retreat. And I was like, don't know what that is. Haven't done any men's work yet. Like totally. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Like contacted. Yeah, I want in on this program. We had a call. He was like, you might want to check out what I'm about. Like at <laughs> least come to us. Have you ever done a men's circle? I'm like, no. So you should at least come to a men's circle. I was like, I'm in. Like I knew nothing about it. And I met like in my first encounter with him, I just knew, I was like, this is a man that needs to lead me. There's something I'm gonna gain from this. Mm -hmm. I poured my heart and soul out to him and uh, yeah, joined the program. Mm 
and then went through this whole program. So trying to think what I can say. So a part of the initiation is this brotherhood connection. So one thing that I didn't have in the past, brotherhood. I was always a person that was like fiercely independent. I don't need anybody. And then I realized what an absolute fallacy that is. Um, I think it's very important to be self-empowering and to, to, to not need anybody. But I also think you need to acknowledge that you also need people. It's like it, both sides of that. So for me, it was my first experience of brotherhood. And of course, that brought up all of my, all of my triggers, all of my, my wounds in the masculine of like labeling all men as something, having grown up far more comfortable in the feminine and with the feminine. Um, so the first thing it did is took, took me on a road of brotherhood and a lot of online connection and, and deep personal work, but essentially it headed with a retreat. It was like a four day intimate retreat and I'm kind of sworn to secrecy. So I can't give a lot of the details on what happened there, but it was very much a process of emptying by revisiting the things that didn't serve us and by being witnessed by the other men in the emptying of that to be seen in your most vulnerable and your most powerful. Um, and it all, you know, headed with a, a rite of passage, an initiation, um, a gathering of everybody in, in, in that. And in that entire process of going into wounds and fragility and vulnerability, but also into power and leaning on other men and being loved, receiving love from other men, which was like, what? Um, going through that process, it was just that. It was, it was incredibly eye-opening to be able to tap into every expression of every emotion you know, not just the ones that are okay. Like, oh yeah, everybody's happy if you're expressing happiness. Some people can handle it when you express sadness. Can you pour out grief and be held by another man? What about rage? Can you go into the peak of a rage expression and have that held? Going through that experience was what really allowed me to build trust and security in the masculine and to step into mine. And, and that, was, that was that kind of process for me. Beautiful. Let's talk about, I think you hold a really beautiful codex for like dominance in a very healthy way. Like it's a very healthy dominance that you exude and it's fucking rare to, I'm mean, actually, I don't want to, I take that back. It's not rare. There are beautiful men everywhere who <laughs> exude that, but it's has been rare in our society to see men who exude dominance without it being wounded, right. Or toxic or controlling yeah. or any of those things. And I think it comes from this healthy masculine that you have. So talk to me about what, what that experience is for you and how someone can start to cultivate that if they're a masculine and that healthy ability to dominate because the reality, and I speak about this a lot, if you're, and this is for highly feminine women, right? Which most men, mm. straight men want a highly feminine woman. They tell me this all the yeah. time. And in order to have it, like you said with Mariana, like when they're holding that level of femininity, you need to be able to hold the container of masculinity, which is equal and or above. And truly the majority of women are submissive in nature. We want to receive, we want to um, surrender. We want to be in that energy. These are feminine women I'm talking about. There are women who yeah. are more masculine and that's cool. And that's their vibe. I'm a highly feminine woman. So I'm speaking for myself and my audience vibe with me. So they would be mainly like this, right? So for the men listening to this, or if you have a male partner um, who you would like to support in becoming more naturally dominant, was that something that you were always, it sounded to me like it's not the case because you said you were highly feminine and with around and around a lot of women. So this dominance, was it something that was innate for you or is it something that you uncovered or how did that process happen for you? A little bit of both. Um... I think, to be honest, it largely came through when I met my now wife, mm -hmm. because I think I'd operated a lot of my life from a fear perspective and with a lot of stories and without clear examples of what it necessarily meant to be masculine, seeing shadows in both sides of like this over-aggressor, like not nice person versus like this too much of a nice guy at the detriment to themselves and going, I don't relate to either of these, where the fuck do I navigate? 
So instead, I just like separated myself from men. And I always had a social group of women around me and these types of things. And then I think because of that, I was quite a passive, people pleading, pleasing, non-confrontational man. Mm-hmm. I was engaged to another woman prior to meeting my now wife. And when that breakup happened, I got to a point where I was like, why the fuck am I always changing me to fit somebody else instead of just up front going, hey, this is me, like it or don't, I'm, d- I'm done trying to pretend to be someone I'm not to reel someone in. I don't like that game. Like I've masked for so many other reasons in my life, my whole life. I'm not doing it for intimacy and for relations. So I really went off and worked on myself before I met Mariana. And then when we met, I think it was just that I was really upfront and clear where they went, hey, this is me. I'm putting me first currently. I love me the most. Like that's where I'm at. Um, This is like, this is who I am, what I'm about. If you're down for that, I would love to factor you in as well as like the next person on my priority list from me. She came in going exactly the same thing. We also both had uh, preferences for non-monogamy, even though we'd been in monogamous relationships for other partners in the past. Um, And we're both kinky, which helped. Um, (laughs) So I think it was that it was maybe that was the first time that I ever really stepped into something really one with my truth and two with boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just such a statement piece for me. And because I really led that, it became easy to continue leading because I stepped in and went, Hey, this is me. You up for this? And she was like, Oh yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll support you in that as well. And I led, and I think in taking the lead and in being like, clear and authentic and full of integrity that that allowed us to step into that dynamic quite quickly um and then we riffed off that and uh for me like the the embodiment of domination came through me initially through sexuality right being very very comfortable in the bdsm kink Mm -hmm. world and scene that expression of me I found it almost like a character. I found it very easy to jump into that. So in that, I set the space, I hold the space. There's a scene, there's crystal fucking clear communication. There is absolute safety. Like, you know, and I view domination as a service. You know, I'm being of service. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm a service dom. It's like, I'm serving you. If, if like, if I'm offering you that dominant energy, I'm holding that space. I am providing the utmost safety that I possibly can for you to be able to fully embody surrender. Because if you don't feel safe, you don't get to go into that. So I'm in service to you. I'm giving you everything that you need to be able to have safety and to just flow, just to surrender. And then in that, like that, I think that's the beauty of it. Mm, there's something in that that is making my whole lower body like oh it's um it's this piece of like the masculine in full service to the feminine and dominance from there right and not and not dominance from I'm self-serving it's like no I'm doing this in full service like I actually had someone reach out to me uh about a year ago this is man I used to see or date or fuck or whatever you want to call it and he sent me this message and I was like holy shit this exists he was like I don't remember what it was, but he was like, I want to worship you. I want to worship you in whatever way you want to be worshiped. And I was like, I don't want to be, I don't feel to be dominant. That's not my, cause he was into that a little bit, like being dominated by Mm. women. And I was like, no, I I'm very like, I want to surrender. I want to receive. And he said, I will do that for you because I want to worship you. And it was that Mm. energy of like, I will step into that role. I will provide, I will create the structure. I will lead. I will do this. I will do that from a service and a like adoration or reverence for the feminine, right? Like I need you to get to that place of full surrender because you open up and then you take me to this higher place. And then the real man understands that the real man. I mean, it's not, I don't want to say the real man, (laughs) but like the embodied masculine man understands that, that it's 
you are leading from a place of it's like service and from your heart because you understand the power of the fucking feminine. And it's like, women need to understand this. Letting a man lead does not make you weak, doesn't make you um, not powerful. It doesn't negate your power. It's actually, that's the dynamic. We need to let them lead. So we are safe to lean back and open into our power. There's a fucking transmission in there for someone. Um, Oh yeah. And the dark, the dark masculine, right? Like so beautiful because that's so connected to kink. It can be so connected to kink in those spaces and the, um, the edges of that. And, um, it's so powerful. So was that, do you think also something that was just innately in you or it came out as you were exploring BDSM? Uh, I think it was innately in me, but I I think all men have that potential in some way because we all hold the dark masculine. We all hold, Mm. you know, masculine and feminine in light and in dark. So it's there. Um, I think BDSM just gave me a very clear and concise outlook for it. Mm-hmm. And it put it in the framework that allowed me to fully step into and embody that. Yep. Um, and then I just obviously amplified and carried that out into other areas of my life. I love that you said that because I was literally about to, where like fucking, it's good. It's like flowing. Um, I was going to ask outside of sexuality, how does that piece, how does it show up? Like, is it taking control? Is it primal? Like, is it, what, what does that look like outside of sexuality, the dark masculine to you? I mean, for me, I, I like using the like the three P's. I think like provide, protect, penetrate. Yeah, and we beautiful. can take that in a n- number of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that, and and I talk to a lot of men about this. About provision doesn't just have to mean finances. Like, it, there's a multitude of ways that you can provide, but you need to be providing. You need to be providing and leading. I think protection, like that's the most obvious one to me, and that's I've always been very physically embodied, and I feel like. I have a few things there where I feel like men should be capable of violence. I think they should be able to fight. I think they should be physically strong. I think that a woman should feel protected just by your presence. And if you don't do your emotional work, your physical work, your spiritual work, you're vulnerable and nobody wants to be around that. Like vulnerability has a place, but it has a place from strength, choosing to be vulnerable because you're strong enough to do so, not just being a mess. Um, So I feel like, It's ultimately, to me, it always boils down to safety. Like, I want to create so much safety and trust in our dynamic. And with the dark masculine, there's always this edge, right? There's always this, like, I feel like this is where either the trickster or, like, the beauty and the beast kind of archetype comes in. Like, women wanting, like, the the darkness that that they could tame that's, like, that at least they're safe from. So I think there has to be an edge there where it's like, you need to, I need to instill so much trust in you that you trust me to protect you from everything, including myself. Oof, wow. Yeah. Fuck. That is like that. Oh yeah. I feel that. That's what it is. That's what it yeah. is. It's absolutely like, oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Because it, it is, it's like, you could go over that edge, right? So the feminine as well, the dark feminine, you could go over that yeah. edge into the complete chaos and destruction, but it's like, I'm going to show you that and open the door to it, but I'm not going to destroy you with it. That destruction, like it's, that's, I mean, the dark feminine and the dark masculine have destruction and chaos as the yeah. main thing. So it's like, I'm holding the destruction. I am the destruction, but I trust myself and you trust me to not destroy you. That's fucking beautiful. I love that. Wow. I feel like that should be the the wrapping it up summary. Like, I don't think we can get higher than that. That's pretty good. No, yeah. No, yeah. Feel like, feel that guys. Like that's a, in it, there's energy in that. Right. Like that's like, just gonna let that just drop for a second. Hmm. Beautiful. So actually there's one more thing I want to ask you before we wrap it yeah. up. If someone, yeah. what is any advice to any man listening to this who a like, say they have a partner and their partner's doing all this feminine work and they're expanding past them now. And they're like, Oh shit, I've got to, get it together or any man who's just looking from a place of being single and whole in himself. Like he just wants to, he's getting the call to go through this initiation other than mm-hmm. seeking out a mentor. What is something that you would advise for them or any advice that you have for them as a mentor yourself? Yeah. I mean, it sounds so simple when I, what I'm about to say, so I might have to expand, but it's, it's, it's going inwards right? It's like being in witness state. It's, there's so much of you that you don't see that you've got to open up the, 
the even just the thought of like is there more than what i'm seeing do i know myself enough and and we don't we never know ourselves enough so it's like i would say it's always about that it's always about turning all the direction inward it's not distraction it's not pursuit of things external to you it's like it's 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 being in the mirror it's like looking inwards and and facing the parts of us that that we push down right it's that shadow it's you can't just layer affirmation on top of the shitty parts you've got to like go in there and, and confront them yeah. i think that, that that'll take most people a long way yeah absolutely i love that and that's my that's what i would say too that's the first advice i would give anyone on any path of awakening look at yourself <laughs> beautiful <laughs> ash this it's been so beautiful and it's been such a privilege and honor to have you here. If people want to find you, work with you, do your mentorship, anything, um, explore your content, how can they do that? Uh, I'm probably most active on Instagram, despite my relationship waving with that. Uh, so you'll find me at Ash underscore Parkhouse. Uh, and then there'll be links in bio and, and things like that. Uh, that's probably the only place that I'm ever particularly present. Um, or if anybody comes through Portugal, <laughs> awesome comes through Portugal. Cool. yeah amazing so i'll put those details down in the show notes as well guys i'd just like to have you say them in case people are lazy and they don't want to scroll down to the show notes thank you thank you thank you brother been such an honor thank you personally for how you supported me and my mission and, and my own embodiment um definitely impacted me greatly guys check him out i can vouch for this man i mean i wouldn't have him on my podcast if i didn't vouch for him but Amazing. So to everyone listening, guys, if you've enjoyed this, please hit me with a subscribe, hit me with a comment on Apple Podcasts. It really supports us to get these out to people. Share this with a man who needs to hear this, right? Share this. If, you, if you're like sitting around complaining, oh my God, there's no men like at my level, which I talked about in a previous episode, in a few previous episodes, um, we can be the change by imparting them with knowledge and wisdom and guiding them in the right way, guys. So please share this with someone who needs to hear it. And until next time, beautiful souls, I love you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cracked Open. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share with a friend if this episode has served you in any way. For more information about the work that I do or to get in touch with me, read the show notes or head to BethMyLonis.com. Until next time, beautiful soul. <laughs>